0: Hello there folks, and thank you for listening to the show. I'm Joanna. I'm Nate, and we are Stranger Than. What do you have on the plate for us today, Joanna?
1: The Cleveland Torso Murders.
0: The Cleveland Torso Murders. That sounds horrendous.
1: Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty ghoulish and I thought it would be appropriate since we're now in like, you know, spooky time.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, this is the season for the ghoulish, so uh Let's hear some ghoulish shit.
1: <laughs> okay. The Cleveland Torso Murders were a series of murders that took place in the Kinsbury-run neighborhood on the east side of Cleveland, Ohio. The official count is 12 known victims, but very likely they were 13, so I'm going to include victim 13 in the description of all the murders. And... Some studies show it could be upwards of up to 20 victims, but...
0: My God. Yeah.
1: (laughs) But for this particular episode, I'm going to focus on 13. Unlucky 13.
0: Yeah, if you're any one of those numbers, you're unlucky.
1: Right? (laughs) The murders took place between 1934 and 1938.
0: So that many people in only four years.
1: That's right.
0: Wow. Mm-hmm.
1: Due to the fact that all the bodies had suffered some kind of dismemberment, the killer was dubbed the Mad Butcher of Kingsbury Run.
0: The Mad Butcher of Kingsbury Run. The Mad Butcher's mm-hmm. just a like a Batman villain.
1: Right. The Mad Butcher. Officially, the case is unsolved, but officially, there is a pretty likely suspect. But. You know, that guy is dead, and he was never charged, so...
0: We'll never actually know.
1: East of Kingsbury Run, there is an area known as the Roaring Third. It was known for its bars, gambling, dens, and brothels. So probably a bunch of bars came up since uh 1933 is when Prohibition was repealed.
0: Oh, yeah, and so those things just popped up.
1: Oh, Yeah. Everywhere. And of course, you're right in the middle of the Great Depression. So, you know, there was a of- reason to drink. <laughs> yes. <laughs> lots of unhappy people uh, finding some solace in alcohol. Oh, yes. And hookers and
0: gambling. <laughs> and the, the big three. Mm
1: hmm. Maybe that's why it was called the Roaring Third.
0: <laughs> there you go. <laughs>
1: In the Roaring Third, there was also a large shantytown area where uh, lots of homeless people were living in really shitty conditions. I mean, even if you had, like, a home and an apartment in that area, it was shitty. But uh, this was, like, literally, like, metal shacks.
0: Just, like, erected by people. Just, all right, well, right. here's a place where you're not going to get rain on you, probably.
1: Right. Uh, it was referred to as the hobo jungle. Oh, Yeah. And interestingly enough, uh, about 50% of the people that resided in the Hobo Jungle uh, actually had jobs. But because of the economy, uh, they couldn't afford a place to live.
0: Oh, shit. Yeah. No, that. Yeah. P- they had jobs, but they weren't making enough money to actually live in an apartment or a house.
1: Right. So they were living in like these like metal shack things. Uh, yeah. I mean, like. Literally the working poor.
0: Yeah, right.
1: All right. Victim number one, known as the Lady of the Lake. She's the first victim found, and she's the unofficial 13th victim. Her body was found on September 5th, 1934, when her torso, with thighs still attached, washed up on the shores of Lake Erie. Wow. Wow. Her skin was red and leathery, indicating that some kind of harsh chemical had been applied to her body. Her head was never found, and she was never identified.
0: Wow, yeah.
1: The second and third victims would both be found on September twenty-third, 1935. Uh, two teens discovered the first body near the foot of Jackass Hill. That's the actual <laughs> name.
0: Man, how fucked up would that be? You're just some kid and you're doing like kid stuff and then you find a torso or whatever.
1: It's a headless, it's a, it's, it's all of the body except for the head. It's been decapitated, but it's also been emasculated.
0: Oh, good. So it's missing its head and its crotch.
1: Yes. It's a headless male completely naked except for a pair of socks and then yeah, junk totally removed. Jesus Christ. And it had been drained of all blood too. So wow. I mean there's crime scene photos and it's pretty yeah, that would be pretty fucked up to come across. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Additionally, there were rope burns around both of the wrists. Uh it was estimated that uh this man had been dead two to three days. Because uh of the length of time he'd been dead, he hadn't been dead that long. They were actually able to lift fingerprints. And he had a criminal record, which is how they identified him, uh, 28-year-old Edward Andrassi. And he had a police record for, you know, like, drunken disorderlies, things of that nature, nothing Yeah, nothing, nothing major. violent
0: or anything, just... No.
1: He had also worked as an orderly in a mental hospital.
0: Oh, God. Yeah. they'll hire anybody.
1: <laughs> well, probably back in the day. Oh, I yeah, mean, no,
0: that's... That in was a big, 30s, like, yeah. That was a big problem.
1: Yes, yes, it was. I think that was. Uh, you drove that point home on your uh, the episode that you did with New Guys yep. about that. Yeah. yeah. Oh God, terrible. The other body was a male uh, in his forties. It was discovered just thirty feet from where Edward and Dressy's body had been discovered. Oh wow! It was. It was also a decapitated male, also emasculated and drained of all blood.
0: So was the very first body they found would they was that also found in this area or was that found elsewhere?
1: Uh the very first uh the the lady in the lake. Yeah. She was found she uh, washed up on Lake Erie which isn't very far. Okay, so from it's, where this it's is. still
0: pretty close, but it's not right in the same area.
1: It's not right in the exact same area. The thing that kind of tied it to to her though with this uh third body is that um he also had the red leathery skin. So oh, I also see. So he'd been, you know, treated with some kind of uh, chemical. And this body had been dead at least uh, two to four weeks. Wow. And this man was never identified. A lot of the victims, there's only like three that were actually positively identified.
0: God damn, that is just, how shitty.
1: I know, it's really sad. But I think that... Probably he was drawing like the victim pool was yeah you know, a lot of transient uh, people and then there just weren't great records yeah yeah at the time so that's true uh, unless they had matchable fingerprints that were you know already in there I don't even know how they matched fingerprints in the 30s but
0: <laughs> a magnifying glass I don't know I mean I guess they and certainly weren't probably- using computers.
1: Right, and then probably it's only really going to work like at a, a state level. Oh yeah, um, shit. Maybe even just someone a... fingerprinted it in some other state. Like, forget about it. Even if there are fingerprints on file, like, forget about matching it to somebody else's somewhere else. Well,
0: it's it, it'd probably at more of a city level. Like, you'd have to yeah. physically send a copy or the original fingerprints taken to each place that had fingerprints and have people manually with their eyeballs and hands match that shit up. Just tedious work.
1: Both of the heads were discovered buried in the dirt nearby where the bodies had been discovered. Lovely. Yes. So there's also pictures of that online, too. Damn. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Victim number four was discovered on January 26, 1936. It was a dismembered female body. It was in several pieces, and they were all individually wrapped in newspaper and placed into, like, wooden baskets, like bushel baskets. What the fuck? Half bushel baskets. Yeah. Uh, they were placed in two baskets and left uh, in front of the heart Manufacturing Building.
0: Oh, God.
1: She was identified as 40-year-old Florence Palillo, a barmaid and known sex worker who lived uh, right near the Roaring Third. Her mugshot, like, that's the the photo that's, you know, out on the internet. Uh, She was 40 at the time this mugshot was taken, and she looks at least 10 years older. Oh, I'm sure. 20. I'm sure. I mean. I mean.
0: You know what they were It put- speaks
1: to the hard life. That's a hard life. And you know what they used they to put ready. in the food back then. <laughs> oh, that's true. <laughs> Victim number five was found on June 5th, 1936. A man's head was found wrapped in a pair of pants in Kingsbury Run. His body was found the next day prominently displayed in front of the Nickel Plate Railroad Police Station. Oh, wow.
0: So now he's like, whoever's doing this is taunting the police.
1: A little bit. And uh, the it, the rest of the body was intact. So I guess no no junk removed this time. Since the victim had been killed within a couple of days of being found, again, police were able to get a good set of fingerprints, but nothing came up a match, probably because they couldn't expand their search beyond, like you said, a city yeah, yeah. level. Um, the man had six tattoos on his body, so they were really hoping they could identify him from his tattoos. They you know, took pictures of them and showed them around to like, local tattoo parlors, asking if anyone recognized the work, and nobody did. They even made a death mask of, you know, from the head yeah. that they'd found the day before. Um, they made a death mask and they photographed that and then the tattoos and kind of put it all together in a flyer and, you know, hoping that, you know, somebody would recognize these tattoos I mean, in his face. Do you know this man? And, yeah. <laughs> and nobody ever did. It was it's really sad. So that death mask is actually on display now in the Cleveland Police Museum. <laughs> wow. And since he was never identified, he was just uh, known now and forever as the tattooed man.
0: I'm sure tattoos were, were less common than than they are today.
1: Yeah, that's probably why they were really hoping that they could actually identify this guy, but they, they never were able yeah. to.
0: Probably just from out of town, you know? Like, who knows? Yeah,
1: it's- I would imagine that that was probably the the... Mm the issue is he was just not from around there. And then when there's no internet and yeah.
0: not even fucking fax machines.
1: Yeah. I was going to say, no, not even fax machines, no television. Like, yeah, I think at some point they might've had it on a billboard or something like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Like his face and his, uh, his tattoos, like hoping that somebody might recognize it, but to no avail. No, Nothing. Victim number seven. The body of an unidentified male found on September 10th, 1936 by the railroad tracks in Kingsbury Run. Uh, it was the lower half of it was well, what was found initially was the upper part of the torso. So a headless torso, but just kind of like maybe like right below the ribs. So like a midsection a, a section, like like a chest a section. Yes, and uh, a transient who was trying to like hop onto one of the trains, you know, because they used to ride the rails yeah, yeah, back yeah, in the day, totally. uh, actually tripped
0: over. Oh God! Us. Yes. Be hard to get up to speed to hop on a train if you're tripping over fucking chests.
1: Yes, exactly. Now, they did find the lower half of the torso and parts of both of the legs. Uh, it was basically in a sewage drain, oh, like a, but it was like a, it wasn't like an underground. It was like almost like kind of like a lake or a pool that was just basically raw sewage. Oh, right.
0: Just like an open sewage pit yes. where just everything runs uh-huh. into. That's disgusting.
1: Yeah, it was, well, it was pretty gross <laughs> Yeah. in that area. Uh, you see, there's a great picture of police and they have like a ladder over it so they can kind of like maybe like. Lay down on it and try and like look through without getting in. Yeah. Uh, but eventually a police diver did have to go in and fish out the parts that they did find in there.
0: Oh my God. Um
1: yeah. And about 600 people were watching this. There was a lot of onlookers gathered around. Um, but they never, they never found his head. And yeah, like I said, just, just the lower half of the torso and parts of both legs. God. The coroner did note that, um, Like in all the previous ones, death was by decapitation. This was not a decapitation that was done post-mortem. Oh, really? Everyone was alive when they were decapitated. That was how they
0: were... Wow, that's fucking brutal.
1: Of note was that this one, there was no hesitation marks. This was done in a single stroke.
0: Wow, I wonder... Did they hypothesize what was used?
1: Uh, I never saw anything about what they thought was a murder weapon. I mean... Usually it would have to be something like an axe. Or a sword. Something very heavy. Yeah.
0: Certainly not a guillotine because there's hesitation marks. Guillotines don't hesitate.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and I I don't know... It didn't really say about hesitation marks in the previous ones, only that it was decapitated, but this one was specially noted that there was no hesitation marks, and so his head had been removed in one stroke. So that but he yeah. was alive when it was done. So that
0: kind of implies or infers or whatever that there were hesitation marks in the previous ones.
1: Right. But clearly the guy knew what he was doing. Well he's getting better at his work. I hope work. so.
0: You've done it this he's done it this many times that they know of.
1: Well, it's Kind of hard to, like, chop someone's head off, I am sure
0: that's why it takes some practice.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Victim number eight was found on February 23rd, 1937. A female who was never identified was found on the shore of Lake Erie, the same as the first victim. Her head was never recovered. And this was the first time that it was determined that death occurred, um prior to her head being cut off.
0: Oh, so this one was decapitated after they died. That's right. that's better. I'd rather be have my head cut off after I was already killed unless the way they killed me was particularly bad.
1: Yeah, I was going to say I guess it would just depend on what the other uh method of killing was going to be because yeah. if it's done in one stroke decapitation's pretty instantaneous. Yeah, true. It's, it doesn't get much quicker than that. And I that, guess it I mean. also
0: depends on which way the hesitation is going. Like, is it side to side? Is it front to back? You know? Right. Cause I feel like, you know, front to back, if it just like you get through the spine and it gets stuck someplace in the middle, like, well, you're, you know, you you can't really feel anything at that point anyway.
1: Yes, that's, that's true. Yeah. I guess it just all, all kind of depends. regardless. Eesh. I don't
0: think that decapitation is the way I want to go.
1: No, I I prefer not to be decapitated. Yeah, if I can help. But it. I, I, yeah, I, I would choose it over something.
0: True, so. like burning. I'd rather be decapitated right. than be burned to death.
1: Right. Yes, or drowning.
0: Drowning would be yeah, you know, falling to your death. Maybe it just takes a long yeah, just ugh. have a long some time to think about it.
1: I don't want to think about. <laughs> 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 I don't want to think about dying or how I'm going to die or what way I would choose. Okay.
0: All right, that's fair. (laughs) Moving along. Moving right along. (laughs) Um,
1: (laughs) Victim number nine, uh, found on June 6, 1937, under the Lorraine Carnegie Bridge. There was little to go on to identify the woman since it was just a skull next to a burlap sack of bones. Oh. Yes. She was tentatively identified as Rose Wallace, uh, though her identity was only confirmed through uncorroborated dental work. Um, Apparently, her son had reported her missing, and when he came in, he looked at the bridge work um, done on her teeth and said that he was 100% certain that that was his mother. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So... Yeah, I'm intimately familiar Uh, uh. with my
0: mother's dental work, and so that is definitely my mother.
1: Right. Inheritance, please. (laughs) Now, if this was indeed Rose Wallace, it would actually be the first uh, black victim, too.
0: So he's not a racist, the murderer. I
1: guess not, although it is unusual because... um, Serial killers tend to hunt usually within their own ethnic group and if they go outside of it a lot of times it's just they just stick to one.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: Yeah, it's it's unusual for sure just to have and th- and then just to have the one thrown in there, but sometimes the circumstances are right. Also, I don't know if they could tell that she had been decapitated simply because they found the skull next to the bag of bones.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, but for whatever reason, I guess it f- it checked off enough boxes that they included that in the victim list. It's it's odd that she was like a known victim whereas the first victim, the lady of the yeah. lake, was kind of like iffy. Even though that one had Although more I markers would,
0: than yeah.
1: I yeah, I would say that one matched up with the other like the profiles of the other victims more than than Rose Wallace did if it indeed was Rose Wallace.
0: God damn. Victim God number 10. Damn.
1: <laughs> yeah. I know. <laughs> I know. Victim number 10. An uh, unidentified male in his 30s was found on July 6, 1937. He was found in the Cuyahoga River. His body was decapitated as well as he-, he had also been gutted. So his abdominal wall was torn open and eviscerated. And his heart had been torn out of his chest, presumably by hand. Wow. Yeah. So he made some sort of stab. You know, like cut open the chest or, uh, you know, stabbed into the chest, reached in and like ripped the heart Are you sure it wasn't some
0: sort of Temple of Doom scenario where they just (laughs) were like praying to a death deity and then pulled it out with his bare hand? Because I feel like that. Praying to Shiva, you mean?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. uh, Because, I mean, that guy did it without leaving any marks. Oh, that's true. And if you notice the still beating heart in his hand in Temple of Doom, it it's, looks like almost a clean cut, like the, the arteries. Oh, are. yeah.
0: They're not really ripped. They're very, yeah.
1: They're not all jagged and gross, but I think uh, they were in, in this case. It's the power so. of
0: his dark deity.
1: Precision <laughs> cuts. Right. Precision yeah. cuts and no wound yep. left when you tear out a person's heart. And it's yeah. still beating. That's yeah. impressive. Very impressive. I, I was impressed. Oh yeah, it's an impressive <laughs> movie, that's for sure. One of my favorites. I guess
0: it actually they didn't it was banned in India for a while because was because of it? the depictions of, of eating the weird shit. They're like, yeah, we don't we don't eat that and a joke was actually missed because they cut something that Indy said. So you know they're eating the bugs and the monkey brains and after the thing uh after the the meal India is supposed to say that no, a uh, Buddhist worth of salt or whatever would have been eating any meat at all, and so, That's yeah, true. it was. Uh, but it was, it was th- that was cut out, and so the joke was missed, and it was pretty offensive.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure, because everyone just assumes everyone in India eats freaking cockroaches and monkey. Yeah, brains, monkey brains like... and giant
0: bugs of all manner, and like it. Oh, the snakes! The snakes! Oh man, surprise. it looked like a meal the Skeksis would eat. You know, from uh, the Dark uh, Crystal, where they got the the things that are all f- running around the table and shit. It's just like, what the fuck? Yeah,
1: yeah, like no, yeah. thank you, no thank. But you. as it
0: turns out, that is not how Indians eat. I mean, I love Indian food, <laughs> and I have never seen any of that shit on the fucking menu.
1: No, no monkey brains, no snake nope. surprise. No giant beetles. Nope. I mean, if those were my protein choices, I'd probably opt to be vegetarian. <laughs> right? As well. Like, like it's like it's cool. I'll just have some carrots yeah, just or some not potatoes. Living um, stuff. You know, some hummus. Right? <laughs> Can I just get some pita chips and hummus for that? Would God's be thanks. fine. That'd be fine. that would be some okay falafel. with that. One hundred percent. Yep. Yeah, you made really good falafel. Oh like man.
0: It. It's it's a favorite. It's a a favorite.
1: The guy's head was never found, uh, by the way. The guy when it was, you know, heart was. Yeah, no, that was
0: missing to this day.
1: Missing to this day. Victim number 11 was found on April 8th, 1938. It was the lower half of a woman's leg was found in the Cuyahoga River. And then a month later, police pulled uh, two. Burlap bags out of the river, and those bags had um, parts of her torso and most of most of the rest of both of her. Oh, rights. lovely! This one is also notable because drugs were found in her system. Oh, and they were unsure whether it was drugs used to, um, you know, like sedate her and make it easier to, you know, kill her and cut her up. Yeah, or if she was a
0: right, she was using the drugs to sedate herself.
1: Right. And they were like, Well, I guess we'll when we find her arms we'll know for sure whether she was, you know, an IV drug user or if you know, she she had been drugged by the killer. Wow. But they never did find her arms. So that remains a mystery. Damn. She was never identified.
0: That is just so sad. There's people I mean, not anymore. Not these people's people anyway, but you know, to lose someone and to just have no idea
1: right just never ever find out and what it, it to ruins them. people that's, it that's ruins people's worst. lives
0: not just the people who like can't be oh, found yeah. but the people who survived them their lives get ruined from that shit
1: yeah oh yeah because i mean it's like you just can't move on with it i mean it would be awful enough to have your loved one murdered but i suppose at some point you could maybe resume your life again um but to just never know what happened to them it's like it, it's just like your life's just kind of like on hold yeah. for forever like because you can't you're just in this place of not knowing you and, can't just
0: let them go like and there's yeah, all, all these movies terrible. about like oh they've suddenly come back and everything's different and so there's always that like gleam of hope
1: right and i suppose once you find out that you're that they're dead there isn't and that sucks but at least at least you know, and at some point can maybe like just you know get on with things. But just being in that limbo yeah, be awful. Yeah, terrible.
0: I mean, both are terrible, but one right. you're given a chance to heal, and the other you possibly it's it's going to be more difficult to heal from it.
1: Right, because you just you you just don't know, so you can't move yeah. on from it because you don't have the yeah. answer. Victims 12 and 13 were both found on August 16th, 1938, a female decapitated body and a male decapitated body. Uh, they were both found just a few feet from each other near uh, East 9th and Lakeside. The woman's head had been wrapped in a man's blazer and a quilt. Her legs and arms were discovered in a recently constructed makeshift Cut. box. Wrapped in, <laughs> wrapped in brown butcher paper. My God. And then with, like, rubber bands around to, like, secure it.
0: Can't believe this shit.
1: Uh, the coroner noted that it seemed like uh, some of the body parts might have been refrigerated.
0: Oh. So. Well, he didn't want them to rot before he could put them in some right, fucked up place. Right, before he could
1: put them somewhere, because I I couldn't get more than one source, but one source said that they had actually been dead, like, a few months. Wow. Which is interesting. Another thing, well, the, neither one were identified, but the one thing about this is that their bodies were very intentionally placed in this area because it was within, uh, you could see where the bodies were from Elliot Ness's office. Oh, really? Yeah, so they have been placed there just as kind of like a fuck you to Elliot Ness. Yeah, yes. Now, Elliot Ness was like a law enforcement legend. He. He took down Al Capone. Yeah, and he had been made uh, the safety, like, the safety director for the city of Cleveland, I believe, in the latter half of 1936. So he kind of came in there in the middle of this and hadn't really been a huge part of the investigation until it kept, like, not getting solved. And then, of course, there was uh, pressure from the mayor to, you know, like, hey, Ness, you need to, like, step in and... Uh, you know. Yeah, I mean, take take the lead on this one, and we need it solved. With
0: his reputation, he there is a certain expectation, and right. so it's like there is you a know, certain expectation. You're fucking Elliot Ness. So, you're you, the Untouchables, <laughs> yeah. like fucking
1: you're fucking gangbusters. Do this you know? shit, guys. <laughs> so, uh yeah, more on that to come. <laughs> uh, I'll I'll kind of get into like how that that came about that this this murder ends up placing these body parts in front of his office, yeah, essentially. So Ness kind of loses his shit over that. (laughs) Right. The next night, August 18th at 1240 a.m., Elliot Ness and a group of 35 police officers and detectives raid the hobo jungles of Kinsbury Run.
0: Oh, that must have been very popular.
1: Oh, yeah. Eleven squad cars, two police vans, and three fire trucks descend on the largest cluster of the makeshift uh Shacks, God, <laughs> and they arrested uh about sixty three men, all of them were placed in arrest with the charge of being homeless, so it's like, well, awesome, yeah, <laughs> and then, on Elliotness's orders, they set the shacks on fire, so wow burned it to the ground like literally obliterated the hobo jungle
0: what little shit you guys have we're gonna just burn so yes fuck off
1: yes there was um a lot of criticism on ness for that action
0: right what happens when the good guys aren't the good guys
1: right Uh, He argued that the reason for booking all the men into custody was that he wanted them all fingerprinted uh, in case they ended up being murdered and then they could identify them. Right. Which, I mean, I kind of get a little bit, but also it just seems like kind of a, a pat excuse for.
0: Like a violation of their rights as United States citizens, kind of. Yeah. Like a little bit.
1: It's like, yeah, you're in the Great Depression, you don't have anywhere to live, uh, let's arrest you for being homeless. Like, right. Wow. Also, the reason, uh, I think I don't know if he personally gave this reason, but it's speculated that the the you know, the shanty was burnt to the ground because that would help eliminate the victim pool for the killer. Because he right, seemed right. to like to pick people out from there quite a bit. So it's like, well, you know what? We're just gonna remove all that. So now now you don't have Remove his hunting
0: grounds for, yes, basically. Yeah.
1: It won't be maybe such easy pickings for you to, to get your next victim. However, there weren't any more victims after that. And I will get into the reason why that happened. It probably was not anything to do with burning the shanty town to the ground. But first, let's uh, just talk about the investigation as a whole, now that we've gone over all the victims. So the lead detectives were Peter Murillo, and Martin Zaluski, The two of them worked round the clock trying to solve this case, often on their own time and often undercover.
0: Wow, on their own time and undercover. That must have been fucking nerve-wracking.
1: Yeah. Now, I don't know how well they did undercover. I'm going to assume that they 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 did it, but there's a picture of Peter Murillo uh, working undercover, literally dressed as a hobo, but like, um. What you would dress up like if you were a cop trying to look like a hobo?
0: <laughs> right. Like like a a hobo as dressed like a Halloween costume. Basically. Yeah, I was
1: gonna say also as like a Halloween costume. So he has the uh, shirt with no tie. Uh, literally just regular clothes minus a tie, a hat, and a stick with a handkerchief tied around the end. What's like up, a fellow hobos? Shoulder. And a handkerchief tied around the end. Now, I mean, it looks like there's something in there, but I don't know what he put in his little, like, bandana sack.
0: Right. like Booze. Cigarettes. Oh,
1: my gosh. But it's just, um...
0: Jesus, that's it looks so like funny. He, I know. Hello, I know. hobos. I am one of you. <laughs> Say, exactly. have you guys... Do-, <laughs> do you know? Do you guys know about any crime going on around here?
1: <laughs> you heard about those murders? Those torso murders? <laughs>
0: No, I'm not a police officer. I'd have to tell you if I was.
1: Where do you guys put your sticks and bandanas? Is there like a (laughs) place or like a rack where we hang them up or what? (laughs) It does look like he skipped a few days shaving. I mean, he's got a little, uh, you know, beard growth. Uh, Right, right. But I imagine the fact that he looked otherwise, like, very clean with, like, nice manicured hands and everything, like, maybe he didn't convince a whole lot of people that actually lived in filth riding the rails right. and living in, like, metal shacks. It's like, you're going to have to get a little dirtier, bud. But. <laughs> well,
0: <laughs> you don't want to get that dirty. I mean, right. most people think you're a hobo. Right. Like, Gross. <laughs>
1: And then of course there was Elliot Ness. So the Untouchables came the name the Untouchables came from the fact that like him and his guys couldn't be bribed. Like they were just like way above that. They were just like, uh uh. He had busted Al Capone's breweries and he had busted up uh, another gang, the Mayfield Road Mob. He'd also was one who really cracked down on um, you know cor- corrupt city officials and police officers,
0: and that was a big problem back then because
1: yeah, this was during Prohibition. Is oh when yeah, this all I mean, and,
0: and so like the, a reason, one of the reasons that there was so much organized crime was because so many police let them get away with it. They were making tons; of, they were making more money taking bribes from gangsters than they were being cops.
1: Oh yeah. Well, first, I mean, prohibition just sets the stage for the for these uh, gangs to form and make tons of money. Oh yeah, and then bribing the police officers. It's like, well, it's the depression, and if you're getting more money uh, through being, you know, just looking the other way on these like breweries and everything, it's just like, well, what the fuck? I mean, I'd probably I'd be on the take,
0: especially because that most people were probably like. It sucks that booze aren't legal. This is dumb. Like why? Like how did this happen? Like what kind of bullshit is this?
1: Right. So they probably just didn't give a fuck anyways. It wasn't some like, you know, like oh hey, like we shouldn't molest kids or something like that. Right. They weren't can, like it wasn't like, like a
0: crack operation.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah, so it was like this was something everybody got to enjoy since uh America was a thing since always and, since yeah like, since people always were and then all of a sudden to, everyone's just yeah. like no you can't do this anymore like, and fuck so, that hmm yeah i'm sure it was hard for people to get on board but fucking gangbusters was super on board with it and super dedicated to enforcing the law as they were at the time yep um and then, yeah, so he goes through all this shit, and then he gets this nice, cushy, like, government job, like, safety director for the city of Cleveland. <laughs> and then this fucking asshole just starts chopping people up. In the city. <laughs>
0: right. Not leaving a fucking clue.
1: <laughs> no, not leaving a fucking clue. And that's the other thing that was really, really hard. Of course, like you said, there's, like, this expectation. He's Elliot Ness. Like, obviously, he needs to, like, come in and, and solve this shit. But... Not a lot to know was known about serial murders at the time.
0: Yeah, they didn't have like the mind hunter shit yet. That wasn't for yeah, another, no. like, thirty or forty years.
1: Right. So uh, I'm sure Ness and the other detectives had a really hard time of it because, you know, a, a city like Cleveland, it was like what was like one of this like the second biggest cities in the United States at the time. Obviously, there was murder, but this was murder. Most of the murders were like, you know, you had motives for them, like the usual, like, you know, greed, jealousy, revenge. Uh the big three, like you know. Di- yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh some one perpetrator just out there murdering over and over just for the fun of it was like uh that's a whole different ball game. And not just murdering sure they were-
0: but dismembering.
1: Yes. Yes. Just fucking ghoulish as shit and and seemingly enjoying it and and was didn't seem like it was gonna stop anytime soon Now, Ness actually did a better job than most people uh than he ever got credit for in his lifetime because he did have a secret suspect uh which is the suspect that is uh pretty much agreed to be the most likely person to have done it. but we will get to that in just one moment. Before anything was known about the secret suspect, they there was another suspect that's like officially on record. But most everyone is a agrees that this was not the guy. But I think there was just a lot of pressure for them to come up with a guy, and this wasn't anyone Elliot Ness came up with. Uh, there was a different arresting officer in this case. And this guy's name, it was July nineteen thirty nine, and uh Sheriff Martin O'Donnell arrests a fifty-two year old guy named Frank Dolajal. And he was mes- he was arrested for the murder of Florence Polillo. Uh he'd actually lived with her for a while. And when they had been investigating uh her murder, so she was the one that was found in like the baskets, like wrapped up in the baskets. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh he was also acquainted with Edward Andrassi and Rose Wallace. Oh, wow. So basically the only other two that were ever identified. Right. That makes This it... guy knew all three of them, apparently.
0: Yeah, that makes him uh, a little a little suspect.
1: Yes. Uh, he did confess to the killings, although his confession was pretty sus since it seemed like uh, he just didn't know what the hell he was talking about and in between a lot of like crazy ramblings it was just like bits and pieces and details that seemed to have been like fed to him like oh right like they coached the shit out of him totally uh i'm i'm guessing this was more of like a you know a, a nightstick confession yep because uh he was charged and was actually set to go to trial but they found him dead in his cell he was hanging, um, so it was made to look like he had hung himself. I say made to look like because... He didn't
0: kill himself, much like Epstein?
1: Basically, no one thing. I mean, there wasn't any official, like, okay, he didn't. I think it's officially, like, put down that he killed himself, but it's it's also pretty sus because he was hanging from a hook that was 5 feet 7 inches off the ground, and he was 5 foot 8. When it, when this guy uh, all that uh, came up with the actual, like, likely suspect was looking through the case files they couldn't uh he had handed it over to some like current medical examiners and they said that that probably he didn't die by hanging but they couldn't really determine how he died because this is just old records they're looking at oh
0: yeah it's i'm sure not nearly as robust as the information you can get these days
1: right but one thing that really stands out is the fact that he had several broken ribs at the time of his death and that was noted on the original autopsy so and so
0: that's not something that normally happens when you hang yourself
1: right and probably the broken ribs were the result of being beaten and that <laughs> yeah. those, those might have happened uh prior to his confession air quotes yeah yeah there so i i'm i'm guessing the broken ribs had something to do with his confession and then uh who knows how he actually died but then he's you know hung on this uh hook that uh, it, it just, none, none of it matched
0: up. Pretty hard to hang yourself on at, at a, like a level lower than you can stand.
1: Yeah. I mean, unless you're like really trying and you just like let your, uh, legs go out from under you, but I still, I don't know.
0: Or if someone's like pulling you down and holding you and so you're choking. Yeah. I mean, it's something su- Yeah. Like yeah it just seems, yeah, you're right. Pretty, pretty suspect.
1: <laughs> yeah. All right, so that, that was the, the official suspect of record. Nothing came of it, but again, nobody really thinks like this guy did it.
0: Oh, yeah. No, they're just like, this is this is bullshit. They just needed to get someone in a cell for something, and so fuck it.
1: Mm-hmm. All right, now, suspect number two. This is Elliot Ness's secret suspect, um, Dr. Francis Sweeney. This guy was like a World War One medic. He had kind of been in and out of uh, mental asylums, but somehow still managed to become a doctor and uh, <laughs> was a practicing surgeon. Oh, hey,
0: right. That's great. That's great. That's that's what we want in our surgeons.
1: Right. And I'm not quite sure how he ended up on Ness's radar because uh, originally, all the original um, investigative notes were actually destroyed. Oh, good. Yeah. So this author, uh James Badal who wrote a a book about it, um he he spent like 18 years like researching this. Wow. Yeah, and uh he, he's probably like the the biggest, you know, expert that you could find on on the case.
0: So you're saying he knows a thing or two about what's going on here.
1: He does know a thing or two about what was going on here. Some of the things that were interesting about this doctor, I mean he was a raging alcoholic, he was married, he had two sons um but he practiced in an office that was actually uh it was right next to a funeral home oh. <laughs> so yeah, and there was actually like a concrete ramp that was in the back that went down to the undertaking offices because um. Remember how I said, like, the, the first few victims have been found, like, drained of their blood? I mean, like, how, like, where is this guy doing this, that he's draining this blood? Right. And being right next to the Undertaker's office would make it pretty convenient, I think, for him to just uh, take a body and take it down into the uh, prep room and drain it of all his blood. And probably nobody would, know, you know, have any idea that it was going on. Oh, yeah. I guess he maybe even had an agreement with the funeral home that he could practice uh his surgical skills, like keep them sharpened, so to speak. Right. Uh <laughs> by uh practicing on the corpses of uh transient people who were unclaimed.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean now, fucking sure, why not? <laughs> why not just experiment on make some it... poor person who's already gotten killed.
1: Right. Yeah, because who's going to miss him?
0: Right, that's fucking foul.
1: Speaking of this, I realized I, as I was going through, I, I missed uh, victim number six. I guess I was just too eager in my scrolling through here, but it, it, this triggered in me because victim number six was an unidentified male who was found in the woods. He had been decapitated, but because there was all this blood all over the ground, they felt like Um, this guy had been, you know, killed right where the body was found. Wow. And it was the only victim actually ever found on the West. It was on the West side of Cleveland. Oh, okay. In this wooden area. So it wasn't on the East side in the Kinsbury run area. So sorry about that. But the whole like, Oh, draining the bodies of blood. suddenly was like, Oh, wait a second. I forgot about the guy in the woods. Right. (laughs) So, with the exception of that, all the other bodies look like they've been drained, cut up. You know, sometimes wrapped in butcher paper and newspaper, and and then it it might also explain the refrigeration of them. Yeah,
0: because you have all those facilities yeah. there. I mean, you've got a place to like do, do right the next blood. door. <laughs> you can cut stuff up there pretty easily. I'm sure with bone saws and whatnot. I mean, uh-huh. this is still back in the day where amputations were a real big thing in medicine
1: and he probably was really good at that anyways if he was a world war 1 medic.
0: Yeah, 100%. 100 Yeah, out there in the
1: field uh cutting limbs off.
0: It's much easier when the uh thing you're cutting the limb off is already dead.
1: Also as a uh doctor at the time, he could uh still get access to alcohol like legally. Oh, right,
0: because they probably so, used it for uh sterilization or something.
1: Right, right. And though even though um Now, when the killing started, um, it had been repealed. The prohibition had been repealed. Probably uh, he still would have an easy time like luring victims to his offices because it's like, oh, hey, I've got drugs. I've got free alcohol.
0: And also just because it was repealed federally. I mean, there were still dry counties. I'm fairly certain Mm -hmm. that today there are still dry counties.
1: There are. Yeah, there are to this day. But, yeah, he could probably lure a lot of these people in through promises of drugs and alcohol. Uh,
0: Sure. I mean, there's a time in my life that would have got me anywhere. Like, sure. Drugs and alcohol? mm -hmm. Sweet. Let's go.
1: i will go anywhere you want. Disable them in some way. And then he takes them down and, you know, cuts their freaking heads off and then has, like, this convenient place to, like, there's a drain in the floor.
0: (laughs) Drain the body, cut it up put it yeah, in pieces in the
1: body, cut him up, you know, wrap him up in a little newspaper, put him wherever you like. Somehow Ness kind of catches wind of this guy. I guess maybe he fits the profile. It's it's hard to know what uh like, you know, put him on Elliot Ness's radar, but he was convinced enough that he actually he didn't put this guy under arrest, but he um detained him, I guess you could say. Oh,
0: Punched him a couple times and asked him some questions.
1: Yeah. He detained him and took him to a room in the old Cleveland hotel. Ooh. And he was there anywhere from 10 to two weeks. Wow. And apparently apparently the first three days was just spent like drying him out because he was such a raging alcoholic. Oh, wow. So, so, you know, like smacking him, like (laughs) poor Elliot Ness is just having to like, you know, give him coffee and- just brewing coffee twenty four seven. Getting him through the shit shit. Yeah, like throwing him under the shower. I don't know. And then uh Ness calls in a, a favor on uh one of his uh, you know, law enforcement buddies to administer a secret polygraph oh. test. Uh, it was a, yeah, it was a guy named Keeler and he was actually I think one of the original like uh inventors of the polygraph. Oh, okay. And so they Somewhat administer a polygraph to this guy to Francis Sweeney and he fails it twice <laughs> one of the reasons i think perhaps uh he was never arrested and charged though is uh well first i mean there was no miranda rights in 1938 this happened in 1938 there was no miranda rights at the time but it still what he what ness did still violated the civil liberties statute at the time oh, wow. so <laughs> Untouchable Elliot Ness, You're like dude, you, know, you can't
0: like- do that shit. You kidnapped <laughs> this man. That's not yeah, cool. Man,
1: totally played fast and loose with the rules. Um, which I think speaks to how much pressure he must have been under.
0: Yeah, um, but he probably also kind of felt that he was a bit above the law. I mean
1: perhaps and that it was serving the public i yeah. mean this it's not like this guy's um you know guilty of some minor infraction he's out there uh hunting people and chopping them up into little bits yeah and that's true so, i mean that
0: that does deserve a level of seriousness but i mean
1: <laughs> it's not it's not the same as like oh hey this guy's got a distillery in his yard right right um, it's like yeah this guy's actively like Shopping drugging up people. And murdering people and chopping them up and And so maybe, um, coupled with all the pressure he was under, he just kind of snapped and was like, okay, I'm grabbing this guy. We're going to dry him out. I'm going to give him this lie detector, and we're going to find out once and for all, like, are you the guy?
0: I am the law!
1: And I'm... (laughs) Right. He knew he had to tread really carefully when it came to charging this guy, so I don't think he could find any other evidence. Also, there's the fact that his cousin... Uh, was actually a congressman. Oh. Yeah, the congressman was Martin L. Sweeney, and he was in the 20th District. And so I think that maybe there was something where, you know, Congressman Sweeney finds out about this, and it's just, um, he's just told to, like, you know, look the other way. Right.
0: Yeah, like, hey, your boss's 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 boss wants you to fuck off.
1: Right, exactly. And so, Ness has, like, kind of, like, no choice but to, like, kind of, you know, step back and let him go. And it's shortly after that time when he took him to the hotel uh, that the last two victims were placed right outside his office. God. (laughs) Yeah. So, so now we can kind of see, I mean, like... Maybe what he just like lost his shit, and he was just like, "Fuck!" This. Yeah, I mean, I you can know, see that. Gets a bunch of guys together. He's like, "We're gonna burn this whole fucking Shanty Town to the ground." <laughs> you know, we're gonna fingerprint as many people as possible. I mean, he was really, really. I think, I think he might have. You know, he was like kind of caving under the pressure, but also like, I think maybe he did have some legitimate reasons now for doing this is like, you're not going to fucking get any, but any other person, like I can't charge you, but I'm going to make it really hard for you to find another.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Although I'm not sure that those actions really, um, are the thing that caused the murders to stop. Uh, the guy Sweeney actually committed himself like a week after the last, uh, two bodies were found. He, he commits himself to a mental hospital and he, uh, Kind of is in and out of mental hospitals for most of the rest of his life.
0: Oh, wow. So he's a little bit, a little traumatized.
1: Yes. Now, uh, according to some, uh, I guess, Elliot Ness's daughter found some original investigation notes like after he died. And so apparently Elliot Ness still kept tabs on the guy for like years. Like anytime he got out of the hospital, they were like watching him.
0: Damn. Uh, just to
1: just to make sure. And imagine imagine that that Elliot Ness kind of like kept that all secret. Like he yeah. died in 1957 without ever like naming names. That's crazy who This guy was. And he had to die kind of like with the reputation that he couldn't solve the case, um, which sucks. So but I guess deep down maybe he really was kind of a, a good cop because he wasn't in it for like personal
0: Right, I mean, Glory. he never took he, any bribes, and I mean, he was uh-huh. so. He never took any I bribes. I mean, that's 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 something to be said about that, and he may right. have used extreme measures, but um,
1: but he still never like revealed who he was because he didn't have enough evidence to charge him. But he just secretly kept tabs on the guy, yeah. like for the rest of his life. It's crazy, pretty much. It's Crazy, and apparently, um, Sweeney also kept tabs on Ness too because he would send him postcards like randomly. <laughs> Yeah. Which were all just a bunch of like gibberish. Um, so it wasn't like Ness could take those and be like, oh, hey, look, he's like still taunting me. This is, this is the guy. Uh, they were pretty like nonsensical. Wow. Um, uh, but you know, they were like, you know, signed like, you know, the heeniest, you know, suspect, uh, Frank Sweeney or FS or something like that. I mean, right. He'd yeah. know
0: who it was from. He was just like, fuck.
1: He knew who it was from. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah like there was nothing that he could really do about it uh dr frank sweeney died in 1964 wow and to this date, yeah never he's never been made an official subs uh suspect but uh pretty unofficially i would say like this is the guy
0: that's some serious shit but we don't but no one knows no and no one I but mean, no one knows unless no one knows some know. sort of like weird evidence pops up like a conf- written confession or something then uh, no one ever will know
1: yeah all we have is some of ness's notes that were donated by his daughter after his death um because like i said all the original investigative notes like from the like the two detectives and everything uh like pretty much nothing exists of that oh
0: yeah i'm sure
1: uh the this guy uh this author has really done a great job piecing it all together. But yeah, I think the fact that the you know, he was a doctor, he had surgical skill, uh, being in an office right next to the undertaker. Um there was also yeah. he had also, I guess, been in a mental institution at the time that Edward Andrassi, he was a uh, orderly there in the in the psycho ward. Interesting. So he might have known that victim.
0: Yeah. Kind of got uh, some ideas. Like of had targets. a personal
1: uh, relationship with that with that victim. So, uh, yeah, I mean, he would he would be my get best guess. Definitely, definitely, definitely not. Um, you know, Frank Dolichal,
0: right? Which was no. just
1: some unfortunate guy who happened to you know probably just live in the area. He lived with the girl, and then knew the other uh, two people. You know, knew the other two people, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's what that's, they call that's, that. That's, that's all. Bummer.
0: That's all circumstantial.
1: Right, yeah. right, and uh, my sources for this uh, would be Museum dot org, Wikipedia here and there for some dates, <laughs> <laughs> and ClevelandMagazine.com. dot com. Also, uh, there's a really great uh, BuzzFeed Unsolved on uh, the Cleveland Torso mur- Murders that I watched on YouTube. Nice. I love those guys. They're hilarious. Yeah, there is
0: uh you can watch them on one of the apps on Fire TV. I can't remember which one. Uh besides yeah. YouTube. Uh, I think they're on I don't even know. I can't remember, but it's cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They're they're fun to watch. Yeah. I I, I get a kick out of them.
0: Well, thank you Joanna. That was a uh that was a wild ride of some <laughs> some some gruesome shit to uh welcome in the spooky month. Yeah. And thank all of you for listening. We will be back later on this month with more tales of uh, spooky gruesomeness, I guess.
1: Yeah, spooky gruesomeness. I like that. Yeah.
0: So you can find <laughs> us, uh, you know, any place that we are. Or the social medias at either Stranger Than or Stranger Than Podcast. If you would like to donate to our Patreon, uh, we are at com slash Stranger Than Podcast. Uh, There, you can donate one, two, or five dollars. Two dollars gets you ad free episodes, and five dollars gets you a bonus episode every month. You can also check out the podcast syndicate we are a part of at ageofradio.org. There are tons of other podcasts and all kinds of different genres for you to listen to. They're all absolutely brilliant. If you have stories about any sort of weird shit that's happened to you, Drop a line. I'd like to do a listener stories episode in the future. StrangerThanPodcast at com. And with that, we will talk to you next time. And stay strange.